Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, like, comment, let's know what you think about the episode. If there's a particular guest or topic that you'd like to have covered, we're always checking your feedback on there and love to be able to take your suggestions and then get them on to future episodes. Today, I'm going to be joined by Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance. I wanted to chat with him about a huge racing win he had uh, last year with his uh, Cummins-powered Nova going up against a field of of gas vehicles. Also chat with him about his previous podcast where he talked about um, emissions-compliant tuning, power recipes, how his business has changed. So I definitely look forward to sitting down with him today and chatting. But before we get to it, I want to remind you, our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 40% off MSRP code for you. If you use code 2024-DIESEL40 at kershaw.kaiusa.com, it's a great way to save some money, get some really cool gear. So if you need a knife for hunting, fishing, around the job site, around the house, they've definitely got you covered. Regardless of what your budget is, there's a bunch of different choices for blade steel, blade shape, different opening mechanisms, different handle designs. So definitely make sure, head on over to their website, check them out. Use code 2024-DIESEL40 for 40% off MSRP. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance and talking about racing, emissions on tuning, different power recipes, a whole bunch of different things related to 6.7 liter Cummins trucks. Ryan, welcome back to the Diesel Podcast. I've been wanting to chat with you for a while. I know the holidays and, and everything kind of wrapping up the year got in the way, but you had a, a huge win last year that I've wanted to chat with you about. And then people have been asking us for like updates from your last episode. I know you have a lot going on, so I look forward to chatting with you today. Oh yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. We've, uh, we do have a lot going on, but um, you know, Whenever, whenever I can, I'll make time for you. I wanted to start with the huge win last year. And I know it was all over. I saw it posted on Facebook, Instagram, other places we're talking about it. Um, but if somebody missed it or, or they follow you, but maybe they didn't catch that race, tell us what, what wrapped up last season. So I, the, I've got two wins, actually. The, the hardware we've got here is from uh, just this last weekend. Um, it was actually a makeup race. So technically it is still a last year's win, although it just happened. Um, and then we won, um, no mercy last year. So, uh, we've been having relative success with our racing program. Um, you know, for those of you that don't know, I'm the guy with the, the diesel powered Cummins Nova that drag races X275. So, um, anyway, we've been struggling with that thing for a long time. Uh, we finally really kind of, uh, pulled our heads out of our rears and, and sat down and really focused on the program. So uh, fast forward to last year at our No Mercy race, it's called, it's a Donald Long race at South Georgia Motorsports Park. And there was also a makeup race that happened there for a race called Race of the Thrones. So we went runner up in Race of the Thrones. So we uh, qualified really good, went all the way to the finals, lost in the finals because the car tried to wheelie and spin and do silly stuff. So um, fast forward like two days, and we started the next race over again, and that was no mercy. And we went all the way to the finals with that one and parked it in the winter circle. Um, we were struggling mid-season in points, but with those two um, runner-up and, and, and winners on those events, we were able to finish second in points overall last year. Um, 
fast forward a little bit, we had a non-points race called Snowbirds, which is this race. Um, that was beginning of December. And we qualified, I want to say third or fourth, you know, not bad, but not the best. And um, fast forward to Sunday, the race got rained out. So we're sitting in the staging lanes. There's four cars left. I've got a hot rod. My stuff's running good. We're ready to party. And the bottom fell out. And it was Sunday night. There was nothing scheduled for Monday. And the sun had already gone down. There, basically, there's no chance of fixing the racetrack. So they stopped right there, split the purse at four cars. Um, I think I ended up taking home $3,500. Um, so because the purse is ten grand to win, 2500 runner up and then like 750 to the semifinalists. So they just took all that right there and split it four ways and we all went home. Um now the first points race of this year was uh the US Street Nationals also at Bradenton Motorsports Park. What that allowed us to do was finish this race and the qualifying rounds of US Street Nationals. So qualifier number 1 only counted as a qualifier. Qualifier number 2 was the semifinal round of this race. Qualifier number three was the finals of this race. It was kind of confusing to people on the outside okay. looking in what we were doing. But so basically my qualifier three for the race that I was in Bradenton for also counted as the finals of this race. But all I got to take home was, of course, the glory and the hardware because we already split the purse and the points. Um, it was a non-points race. So um, we... Uh, we ended up qualifying, I want to say, seventh, um, and we had a full field of 16-plus cars. So I qualified seventh in the U.S. Street Nationals, and we got to the second day of racing down to four, uh, eight cars, and I spun the tires. So um, right on the start line, and uh, Frank Mewshaw took the win. So um, all things considered, everything that's going on, I think we're, we're currently tied fifth for points, which – if you look at last year and how rough of a start we got last year compared to this year, we're already doing much, much better. Yeah. Look, it, it's almost like, gosh, I don't know when we did this episode, maybe six years ago or seven. I don't know what year. It was a long time ago. And you were telling us about taking the Cummins out of your truck and you wanted to put it in a car and you had this, this vision for it. And you'd go out and race and you were racing gas vehicles and it was a struggle. It was hard. It wasn't easy. And then when I saw it's, it's, it's still not easy for the record. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I've been able to see the progression to winning and being competitive. And I know there was a lot of time between point A and point B, but that was so huge because yep. I remember way back then, all those years ago, some people would say, Oh, he's crazy. Why is he doing that? He's never going to compete with, these gas vehicles, they've been doing it for X amount of years. They're so much yeah. faster. It's never going to happen. So it was really cool to see when you did it and then where you're and, at now. And those those same people that said that, you know, what I was doing was stupid and it was never going to work are the same ones screaming that I need weight added to my combo and horsepower taken away. That's the exact same coffee cup I was drinking coffee out of this morning. Was it? Show that, show that again. Yeah, pick it up. The, uh, the... Did you get it for... Uh, Get it for Christmas or something from the Fleece Boys? They yep. sent it to me a, a while. I love it because it's it's big, so I can have a lot of coffee in it, yeah. and I don't have to get that's, refills that's, as often. <laughs> that is the exact cup I had in my hand about an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Small it's world. well, it's it's really cool. I wanted to you know definitely chat with you, you know, about that and ask you about this year. You know, you, you had um, I know you're going to be racing. What 
what kind of goals or changes or plans or, 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 or you know, working with, you know, different companies who support you? What's, what's the plan this year? And this year's a whirlwind. Um, so I sold my shop. I didn't sell my business. I sold my real estate because we didn't need 17,000 square foot waterfront property, um, you know, with astronomical real estate taxes and overall expenses in order to do what I'm trying to do as a business. So uh, Hardway itself has shrank down to what I call back, taking it back to where it's fun um, because we got big, we got bulky and top heavy and it just became misery and not fun. So uh, a couple of years ago, I decided to take a step back, pull the reins back in, focus on what we're best at, which is our tuning stuff and racing. And then uh, we have these uh, 10 bar map sensors that we had a uh, Rife make for us. I'll go into those in a minute. Um, but as far as everything in general, so I sold my shop, I close on my new house next week, which has a shop behind it. So I'll be on five acres away from the coast a little bit, saving myself money and property taxes, insurance, mortgage, everywhere, everywhere you can think of, and then having everything in one place as well. So, um, we're down to four people total. Um, we're as far as hardware performance is concerned. Um, it is an extremely effective um, lightweight package that, and the business makes a whole lot more sense now for what we're doing. Um, so that's step number one. Step number two, uh, I was going to take the race car apart and do some major updates because I was looking to move it to the limited drag radio class. I've had fun on X275, but I want to be able to go faster because the rest of the diesel world, you know, are building pro mods and rails and, and, you know, yes, my car is extremely fast for what it is as an X275 car. You know, we can run with the front of that class. But as a diesel class, as a diesel race car in general, there are mother many others that are faster than my car. And, you know, I just don't sleep well at night knowing that there's ET and mile an hour left on the table and I'm being held back by a class. So nothing against the class, nothing against anything. I just wanted to go faster. So I wanted to switch to limited drag radial, but I can't finish second in points and quit there. I, I can't do it. So <laughs> we're, we're here ready to party. The race car's right there. It's ready to party. Like we're, I have nowhere to unload my race car and stuff right now. So this is my stop for the next week. So, um, we are ready to go racing. Um, currently sitting fifth in points and I've got my targets set on winning an X275 championship this year. I will not quit until I win a championship. Is, so that is, that's that. It, now, as far as, you know, the power and everything that, everything that's going on with the car, are you making any changes or drastic changes to it this year? Yes and no. Um, so the way that our radio racing season works, our off season is actually summertime because we can't drag radio race in the summertime, but we drag race every month, at least one big race every month, uh, starting in October. And we don't stop until March or April, or April, actually the first weekend of April. So this, I'm in the middle of my race season right now, even though it's a new year and they've started the, excuse me, hiccups. And they've started the point season over again. The time between the end of last year's race and the beginning of this year's race was five weeks. And we had Christmas over that time. You can't do any updates and changes in five weeks over Christmas. You can't even get parts. <laughs> so, um, 
So what we did do, though, uh, for those of you that went to the PRI trade show, the Nova was in the PRI trade show. And it rolled into the trade show exactly the way that I rolled off the start, the finish line from the last race. It was sitting in there with a nitrous bottle still in it, still had the same fuel in it. I never even pulled a data log out from the last race, right? So from there, we took the car over to Fleece and had the boys at Freedom Racing Engines yank the motor out. Um, they went through, put pistons in it, rings in it, bearings, um, you know, checked everything out, serviced the cylinder head, new valve, valve seats, all that stuff. Um, so, and the reason they did that is the other engine had to our best math between 160 and 180 full passes on it over the course of three years. And although I plan to sell this engine in April so I can make my mid season updates to the new fleece engine, they wanted to see this engine before I broke it because we were starting to get some excessive crankcase pressure. <clears throat> it, it was a tired horse. It had some miles on it. So the boys at Fleece, I told them, you know, with everything I've got going on with moving the shop and all this, I can't. I the the car has to stay the way it is, and and we're just going to keep beating on it till April. But Chase Fleece said, "Drop the damn car off. We'll fix it. We'll call you when it's ready." So the week before I had to be at this last race, they called me and said, "Come get it," and they showed me a video of it running. So Jake Richards, major shout out to him, and uh, John Ben Schuf with Freedom Racing Engines and Chase Fleece with. Uh, police performance and freedom racing engines. Um, if it wasn't for those guys, uh, this motor might not be running right now because it was, she was, she was breathing and she was on her way out. So, um, and uh, fast forward a little bit. If you look at, if you were at PRI and you saw the shiny Cummins engine sitting in the super flow booth, all dressed up with fleece front cover, Wagler cylinder head, fleece block, all that stuff that's going in this car but we're waiting on purpose until April because some changes have to be made to go from one block to another. We're switching from one style intake to another. While I have the engine out, I'm going to take the car to Tim soldiers <clears throat> and have them uh, fix the firewall, fix some chassis stuff. I've just been, I've been really abusive to this car between five turbo failures. Now uh, three drive shaft failure, uh, four drive shaft failures rather. Um, so the tunnel's beat up, the firewall's beat up, both quarter panels are wrinkled, um, the front end's all chewed up. <laughs> it looks like somebody took a DA to my whole firewall, the last turbo that exploded, so that's cool. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we've got changes to be made. I've got wiring updates to be made, but we're going to race the car as is, and hopefully we can limp it along for the first or the next two races. And uh, this summer, you will see some changes. I know a lot of people love to follow you. I do see what's going on because they followed your story or they follow you on you know, Facebook or they, they've known you for a while. So I always like to get updated, see where you're going because you're blazing a trail and, and pushing everything forward. And one of the other things we always get when we chat or sometimes it's six months later, a year later, people will tune in and they're like, Hey, have Ryan back on. I, I want an update on this. Or I want to ask him um, <laughs> s some stuff. So the last time we chatted, you were talking about a change in your business and a focus on it and emissions on tuning and power packages and <clears throat> really focusing on the new trucks. So I wanted to ask you, because somebody commented on YouTube and said, get Ryan on and ask him this, <laughs> is how has that, how is that coming along? What, what can people look forward to for their six, seven Cummins? Where are things at with the, the tuning and the parts and the, the, the recipes you were talking about? 
So uh, our major focus on business. So basically, let's call it my day job. Let's let's call race cars my my hobby and my after hours job. My day job is calibration work, and it has been for almost fifteen years now. So because of legalities, not only in the USA but around the world, are increasing. <clears throat> we have to follow the rules. We as manufacturers have to follow the rules. So as crazy as it sounds, me and my little four man team, we are a manufacturer of calibration work, calibration accessories, uh, map sensors, stuff like that. So in the customer, the end customer, a lot of them are still on the bandwidth of, Hey, I have to get this truck and I must remove the emissions, right? We as a industry as a whole, hold on. Someone's calling me. I thought I had an, I do not disturb. All right. We're good. Yep. All right. So we, as an industry, we, as a whole, we have to press forward and get our mindset out of that must remove emissions component stuff, right? And this is the best way that I can describe it. We are in a period of change. The 0709 Dodge Rams, I'm a Cummins guy only, so I'm going to talk Cummins world, right? 0709 Dodge Ram emission systems, terrible. Chrysler rushed that stuff out. I think as a whole, as a whole, like, industry nobody knew what the hell they were doing when it comes to dpf and egr and and all that stuff right fast forward to the 10 through 12s they're not that better 13 to 18 not bad i drive i daily drive personally a 2018 truck and the emission systems on those work very well look at the 19 and newer trucks yes people have their issues with the emission systems but yes people have their issues with everything on a truck so just because your, you know, your window regulator for your power window goes out, are you going to remove all the power windows in your truck? No, fix it, make it work right, right? Like, or let the dealers, let the dealership fix it. It's under warranty, right? So, <clears throat> back that up. I cannot offer emissions removal tuning stuff. A majority of real calibrators out there, I'll name PPEI, right? Uh, Duramax tuner, those kind of guys. They cannot offer emissions removed tuning. It is extremely illegal. Okay. And before you jump in my inbox and say, well, I live in a county that doesn't have emissions testing, so you can sell it to me. If you live in the United States, then the law applies to you. If your vehicle is in the United States, then the law applies to you. And what I mean by that, just because you are in Canada, does not mean that I can sell you emissions removed tuning because your vehicle can drive on my streets. Therefore, I'm liable again, right? Same thing with Mexico. I can't sell delete tuning to Mexico either because their license plates can run on our streets for one year. So anyways, where we're focusing very heavily on is taking these trucks out of the factory, out of the showroom floor and making them run the way that they should run, right? So... Number one thing, remove speed limiter because who wants to be stuck at 102 miles an hour, right? Like I've got a, my buddy, Rod McMaster. He thinks the highway the highway speed limit's 140 everywhere he goes. So remove the speed limiter, exhaust brake memory. Um, with shift on the fly, we have six shift, on, I'm sorry, with HP tuners. We have six shift on the fly power levels that you go from stock all the way up to 500 or 525 horsepower if you have an HO model on these trucks. No additional switches needed. Use the cruise control buttons to change your power levels. Um, uh, the exhaust brake memory. So that's a huge thing with people that they really like to see on these trucks. Um, 
basically what that means is on the newer trucks, there's three different exhaust brake modes. You can have off, on all the time, or only on when you touch the brake. And people are tired of hopping in their truck and having to reset their exhaust brake to where they want it. It's a simple bit to flip on a backside for us to enable exhaust brake memory. So people have the exhaust brake in the spot where they want it at all times. Um, and I have, it sounds crazy, but I've had people buy our $1,300 tuning package just so they could have that. <laughs> wow. Whatever makes you happy, man. <laughs> There's a lot of other features you can use, but if that's what you bought it for, okay, it's fine. Um, so now let me step off my, my pedestal and my rant for a minute. Let's, let's look at a 19, I'm gonna make up a model year, uh, uh, 1982 Corvette, right? That's pre-fuel injection, but that's post clean air act, right? So that's a carbureted V8 with catalytic converters and just, you know, terrible economy. Um, those things smelled like rotten eggs rolling off the showroom floor probably made less than 200 horsepower is really an embarrassing time for American muscle cars. Right. Yeah. That's when the emissions, that's when the emissions laws first came out, the clean air act of 1974. Right. So all the vehicles immediately following those updates were all terrible. Has anyone taken a look at a modern day Corvette and a modern day ZR one or Stingray, you know, look at the Hellcats, look at all these things. These, all of those cars pass emissions way more strict emissions laws than the 1982 Corvette had to deal with. What happened is manufacturers as OEM manufacturers and aftermarket manufacturers such as myself have gotten better. We've gotten smarter. The technology has improved. Um, our capabilities have increased. So that is the period of change where we are at in the diesel world. Um, if you have an 07 to 12 Dodge, um, we're probably not going to offer emissions intact tuning because I don't think there's many of them even out there on the road that either aren't already deleted or that aren't deleted and probably need to be, but I can't help you with it because it's illegal, right? So, and I've already signed our deal with the EPA January of 2020. So if I get popped again, it's not a, it's not a civil suit this time. Um, I'm, I'm going to look like this, you know, in an orange jumpsuit and and get to be a felon and i'm not interested in that so um but 13 and newer uh we're going to be focusing very heavily on all those um and and we're looking forward to what the new cummins trucks are coming out with i'm hearing rumors of an eight speed i don't know anything on what ecm is to come with those things yet um there's a there's a lot of exciting stuff in the coming up also on top of that as far as tuners go we're working almost exclusively with hp tuners these days especially on the new trucks there is um, a capability they have called TDN. It's Tune Delivery Network. And they also have a piece of hardware called an RTD. Uh, I don't know what that stands for. Forgive me. Um, it's ready something device. I don't know. Anyways, I don't have one yet, so I don't have them memorized. <laughs> um, the RTD is basically the like an EFI Live AutoCal for HP tuners. It's a slave device. It's cheaper, has less features, but it's everything the end consumer needs to be able to tune their truck. The TDN Tune Delivery Network app is an app on your phone that talks to your HP Tuner's device via Bluetooth. So no longer will you have to have your laptop in your truck and plugged in and all this clunky stuff going on. You can take your HP Tuner's dongle, whether it's an MPVI or an RTD, plug it right into the truck, connect it to your phone. The cloud links 
your phone app to us as your calibrator. And when you want to do readouts or tune or check diagnostic codes or whatever, you can do it all from your phone. And I'm told by HP tuners that's supposed to be out Q1 of this year. So we're just a little under halfway through Q1. I spoke with my HP tuners rep yesterday, actually. He says it's still on the plan to get it uh, headed our way. So I'm super excited for that. That's going to allow us to shelf stock um, tuners on our dealers, uh, which remind me to touch on my dealer stuff here shortly. That's going to allow us to shelf stock HP tuners hardware at our dealer's place, right? So that you as the end customer can drive into your local hardware dealer, scoop one of these off the shelf and be tuned same day through your app and not have to worry about shift stuff being shipped all over the place. Um, you know, and it's a much more budget friendly option as well. As far as the, the packages, the power of recipes you had mentioned, um, how is the rest of the industry progressing with that? I think you talked turbos being able to pair emissions on upgrades that have gone through testing with your tuning. Are you seeing that progress as well where you can keep up with it? Yep. So we are, we are working almost daily, uh, with customers like fleece performance, um, people like, um, you know, SNS diesel motorsports. Uh, we've got some other turbo manufacturers and transmission manufacturers out there that are going through the testing process, whether it be through SEMA garage or other testing means, um, all of us have a common goal of, you know, laying within the laws that we're allowed to play in, right? And being the absolute best at it. So here's what's really cool. If you take a fleece cheetah turbo, right, which is uh, an excellent, not only upgrade, but a repair item, uh, because the actuators on these turbos are known to fail, you'll get about 100 to maybe 150,000 miles out of an actuator, and you're going to have to replace it. You can spend $4,000 or more at the dealership buying a new OEM turbo, or you can get a performance turbo from Fleece Performance, which has all brand new parts for a fraction of the cost, right? And, but here's the thing. If you take that Fleece Cheetah turbo and bolt it on a bone stock truck, you're not going to notice much difference because the turbo on a bone stock truck is not the limiting factor for it to be making power. The limiting factor on a bone stock truck is the calibration. It is so neutered from the factory as far as pedal response, um, RPM, usable engine speed, uh, overall power, fuel quantity, torque limiters. Uh, the ASIN on a bone stock truck shifts terrible. Even though I don't personally have the capability of doing ASIN transmission tuning, if you do your magic on the engine side of the platform, the ASIN starts driving amazing and specifically wide open throttle, people think that the ASIN is defueling on upshifts. It is not, okay? If you if you go to the showroom right now and drive a truck off the showroom floor, that's an ASIN, a 3500 HO, and you floor it, the, the engine speed's gonna go up to about 3000 RPM and just basically stay there. And it'll come off it just ever so slightly and just go right back to 3000 RPM, right? you feel the truck nose over while the truck is shifting and then it takes off for a second again and then nose is over. That is not a defuel coming from the TCM. That is the engine on its rev limiter waiting for the transmission to shift. Okay. And uh, people have a hard time grasping this. So we on our tuners increase full fueling 
um, capability from 2,850 RPM to 3,600. Now, you the engine doesn't wait for the ASIN to shift anymore. It just keeps making power and lets the ASIN bang gears. And the difference of those two driving, I mean, you, you've, you've driven a truck with a 48RE, right? Yeah. You, didn't your old truck have a 48 swap? Yeah. So do you remember click, clicking their torque converter locks and just holding it to the floor and banging gears? Like how aggressive and how awesome that felt? Yeah, that's what an ASIN feels like when you unneuter the ECM. So it feels awesome. So let me let me back this up. I, I went off on a, a side a side note here. So my tuning can't make any more power than about five hundred to five and a quarter on these trucks because I run out of air fuel ratio. I I can't let with an emission system on the truck. I can't let the engine go fat on air fuel ratio because it'll bellow black smoke. Although it won't bellow black smoke out of the tailpipe, it will bellow it into the DPF where it's caught and then soot loads the emission system, right? So I have to keep things clean. The limit that I run into on making more power with these trucks is air fuel ratio. Take a look at the fleece performance cheetah turbocharger. Now I've got 40 to 60 more horsepower capability of airflow that I can target that now that thing is making that much more air that I can add that much more fuel without exceeding my air fuel ratio limits. Okay. Now that's just one part of the puzzle. Take, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not endorsing these guys or saying positive or negative. I'm just throwing out brands, banks, S and B, um, AFE, whoever else makes cold air intakes, right? <clears throat> you get more air to the turbo, more air through the turbo, right? And then you turn around and put more air into the engine by doing the nice uh, Banks intake kit. The more air you can put to these engines, there's no reason that we can't make 600 horsepower. You just have to keep giving me airflow to work with. So between airflow and air density, um, air density meaning keeping it cool. Now the intercooler is just as important as the intercoolers were on the old trucks because we need airflow to make air, um, you know, combustion happy. So those guys individual products are 50 state legal tested and functional. They are bolt on parts that go on a stock truck that you may not see a lot of gain out of those. If any, if you bolt everything banks has to offer, everything fleece has to offer and all that stuff on a bone stock truck, you won't see the potential, right? If you tune it, you will. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah if you it... tune it all by itself, you, you're going to hit walls. There's only so much I can do. Take these other people's parts and put them all on. And now everybody's partying together. Yeah. Yeah. That's what everyone, that's what, well, not everyone, but most people want. I don't know if it's 99% of the market or 98%, but guys want that five to five fifty, maybe 600 horsepower, which was so easy to get mm -hmm. on a five, nine or, or another diesel truck. And then when you went through like the 07 to 09s and the 10 to 12s and even the last few years when there weren't these parts and these upgrades, <clears throat> that was the big thing I would hear is, well, I, I just want more power out of my diesel truck with the emission systems on and I don't want to uh, you know, have to sacrifice that so that people are starting to get that. It's just, it hasn't been as quick as maybe yep, they so wanted, but they are. On, on a on a completely stock truck, I mean, down to the tires and everything, we can make 500 horsepower on a 13 and newer truck. You give me an HO 
um, 19 and newer, which a lot of people think it's just a calibration difference, but the HO engines are different. They have uh, different uh, compression ratios, um, different injectors. The calibration is way different on the back side. They're, they're, I don't know why Chrysler did this, but they are very different, more different than they should be in my opinion. But the HO engines, I can get to about 525, 526 on my truck, but let's just call it five and a quarter. Um, I can get to five and a quarter before I hit fuel trims based off of air fuel ratio. And the the other trucks, the um, the 13 to current uh, standard output engines, I get right at about 500 horsepower before I hit my fuel trims. Um, so 500 horsepower by doing nothing but plugging in a dongle to your OBD2 port and hitting enter, letting it flash for 10 minutes, and you've got 500 horsepower on tap. And it's not just 500 horsepower. It's, it is increased throttle response, better drivability, trans-tuning. It's the way the truck should have felt from the factory. And that is a major difference when you're looking at emissions intact tuning versus the delete tunes that are out there these days. You know, once upon a time, I was able to play in that market, but I, I haven't been able to in a long time. And when I see what these guys are doing as quote unquote tuners out there removing emission systems, and I, you know, I see the 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 way that these things run, and you know, people send me data logs and say, "Hey, what's wrong with this thing?" And it's embarrassing. Um, the way that we uh, we meaning myself, Corey Willis, the guys at Duramax Tuner, whoever else is pressing forward on the emissions intact stuff, you can't do it the old way anymore. It's not just logging in and turning off a bunch of limiters and just adding a bunch of timing and fuel. You will screw all sorts of stuff up and nothing will work right. So the way that I have to approach the emissions intact tuning on these trucks is I have to treat it as if I am a calibration engineer. So we have to understand every single system in the truck. We have to understand all the thresholds. We have to understand all the torque uh, and fueling and rail pressure strategy modes. We have to understand what the truck is trying to accomplish and, and the logic tree of what it's looking for and what it's trying to do. And we, you know, the, the timing maps have to be a little different for when it's in passive regen versus active regen versus just normal mode or uh, SCR thermal management mode. And we, as calibrators, have to fully grasp and understand all of what the truck is doing. So, you know, when I look back at work that I did back in 2012 and 2013, and I thought I was a badass, knowing what I know now after burying myself in these in these trucks doing emissions intact tuning for three or four years, I look back at work I did in 12 or 13, and it's embarrassing to me. That's, that's how, in 10 years, that's how far myself as a calibrator has evolved um and you know to the end customer that's why you can with confidence jump in one of these trucks with 500 horsepower and and go tear off down the road and enjoy your truck so that being said um we have two trucks in-house we have a 20 and i have my 18 um they've been tuned since they were brand new uh my truck had 14,000 miles on it when we tuned it it's got a bunch more than that on it now um we drive the piss out of them. We tow with them. We do everything with them. Um, and zero, zero issues to date on emission system stuff. So um, I tell people all the time that want to come to me and say, I want to delete and tune. And my question is, why? What, what it like, ask yourself if you're, if you're that guy out there that, that has one of these trucks and you are dead set on doing, on deleting the emission system, ask yourself, why? 
What what for? Because the internet told you to? <laughs> what is the actual purpose? What are you trying to accomplish? So you can't trade your truck in, right? Um, if if you do anything commercial with your truck, you're opening yourself up to all sorts of liability as far as not having the emission system on there. Um, there are a few scenarios for which I understand if you're going to remove the emission system. But that falls within like less than 1% of the total customer base out there. And what I mean by that is guys up in uh, Montana, um, you know, way up north, way out west when it's cold, up in Alaska, using their trucks where they idle all the time. And if there's an emission system failure and their truck shuts down, they could potentially die because they are they froze to death or something out there, right? That I understand, okay? I still can't help you. I wish I could, but I understand, right? For your average guy who uses a truck like I do, where, you know, we pull race trailers. Hi, Terry. What are you doing, buddy? We pull race trailers around. We pull race trailers around. We haul dirt bikes. You know, we, um, we use our truck like a truck, like a normal human. Why? What, what's wrong with it? Like, I, I wish, I wish I lived in a place where there was more diesel people. I live on the beach in Florida. There's yeah. people drive around in Priuses and Jeeps around here. So I don't, there's not much for diesel stuff, <laughs> but I wish there was because I would literally just have customers come to my shop and hand them the keys. Like here, go drive it. If, if that's all it would take. If you just drive it, just try it. Like you would love it, but it is what it is. We got a, we've got an uphill battle for marketing for sure. Well, you'd mentioned the map sensors. I saw you just, you just picked them up. Tell me about, yeah, yeah t- tell me about them. All right. 10 bar map sensors. Let's take this all the way back to the basics. Stock map sensors read 50 PSI absolute pressure. Absolute pressure meaning including atmospheric pressure. Okay. So I'm standing on that sea level in Florida right now. It's safe to assume that my absolute pressure right now is 14.6 to 14.8 PSI absolute. So that means once you subtract what the barometric pressure sensor sees on your truck, you can only see roughly 36 pounds of boost. You and I, as well as everybody else watching this podcast knows that 36 PSI of boost on a Cummins isn't shit. That you can, you know, the firepunk boys are out there making 140. Not that don't don't go try to make 140 pounds of boost in your street truck. That I don't recommend. <laughs> But if you're trying to make more boost than what your factory map sensor can see, and you're looking at um, you're looking at a, you know your boost measurement using like an edge monitor, you can't see it. So the other thing, this is actually a T map sensor. So it's a four wire. Um, I'm not going to show the camera because I don't think you guys can see it. But there's four wires in here, and there's four wires in a factory connector. So it measures pressure and temperature. If you're looking on your 5.9, you're looking at intake manifold temperature. That is the measurement that comes from this sensor. And it was recorded through HP tuners and EFI Live. So when I went back to getting as much, uh, going back to getting as much oxygen in the cylinder as you can possibly come up with, right? Not only is volume, which ends up making pressure extremely important, but getting the temperature of the inlet air charge down to get air density up because thermal expansion the hotter something is the further everything is apart so the cooler something is the closer all those precious oxygen molecules are to shove them into your engine turn the injector on combine it with fuel and make bang which makes power right so to a competition application 
inlet air, inlet manifold temperature and pressure are extremely important. So these read up to 450 degrees Fahrenheit and they read up to 145 PSI absolute. Let's call that 130 and a half pounds of boost, okay? Um, what makes these different than the other 10 bar map sensors on the market is these are made by Rife. Um, anybody not knowing who Rife is, please take the time, research them. Those guys, the company is owned by some great friends of mine. They're a division of Motion Raceworks, um, Rife Sensors, R-I-F-E. Please go check them out. Um, go take a look at them. Inside of here is their um, IAT sending unit as well as their 10-bar map uh, sending unit. So they make they make these sensors this is one of our uh, prototype six, seven ones. Our, our, uh, what do you call it? Our, uh, our production ones are already out. I just didn't grab one before I left the house. This is, this was in the toter here floating around. We also have the five, nine versions, which this is, you can see the angle is tilted back on the six, seven, the five, yeah. nine version. This is a super pre prototype or pre production. The connector is straight up because the five nines and the six, sevens have the map sensors in different locations. So um, they are they are plug and play, but you have to retune it, okay? Um, so I've put all the information out there so all of you guys who do your own tuning can rescale the sensors. So anybody who has their tuning done by a professional tuner, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've, I've flipped over all those bushes. God damn it, someone's calling me. Stop calling me. <laughs> all right, we're back. All right. Um, I've, I've contacted all the professional tuners. Um, Firepunk has these, um, RLC Motorsports has these, uh, Brandon Wood out of tier one, uh, transmissions in, in Arizona. They have them in stock. Adam Aquino up at a two motorsports. They have them in stock. Um, we're going to have our five, nine sensors in our hand delivered from Rife on Monday. We've got about 60 back orders to fill. Um, so everybody who has one on order will get theirs ASAP. Um, and there's, 250 more coming behind that. So don't you worry. I just, I got the first 50 as soon as they came off the line so I can <laughs> ship them out. And, uh, but yeah, so um, there's been other options for 10 bar map sensors. Some you can't get your hands on. Some of them are just absolute garbage. Um, and there's other options that you can do. Companies like, um, I want to say Fleece. And uh, there's another guy that does wiring stuff. I forget his name and he's probably going to be pissed at me for if he watches this podcast. But um, <laughs> anyway, there's, there's people that make stuff that you take the connector and it's a, it's the right connector, but it goes to two different sensors and it's basically this, but it's not bolt in plug and play. Right. And, and it works really good. You know, there's no, not knocking those, but the market needed and wanted nice map sensors. So after having availability issues and reliability issues on the old ones, this time I decided to go straight to the absolute best, straight to the top and more or less begged them to make map sensors for us. So um, it didn't take a whole lot of convincing, but I did have to, you know, I had to say pretty please a couple times. But um, so we have the world's baddest map sensors. Um, there's several hundred. Uh, I have several hundred of the six, seven ones in our office. We have several hundred of the five nines on the way and they have the ability to double if not triple what they've already built for me so use them with confidence sell them with confidence um we don't have a warranty on them i don't think i need a warranty if you guys have one of these from us and have any issue whatsoever 
please let me know. We will make it right. Um, but to date, I've seen zero failures. I've seen zero failures out of any Rife product I've ever used. Um, so these are with the utmost confidence and uh, everything you this, this is the baddest map sensor you can buy. This is the end all be all. So take it back a little bit. When I do the updates to my race car um, happening in April, I'm putting one of these on it. So, and any of my buddies who do um, heads up competition stuff, uh, and if you want to use these map sensors on your competition vehicle, please let me know. I'd be happy to send you one. I've already sent one out to the Firepunk boys, already sent one out to Greg A. I'm trying to get the Frosty boys to put one on their new ride, although um, we're getting some some resistance on that um, just because they're resistant to change, but I'm working on them. Um, all of our race car stuff will have this, um, including our Pro Mod, which I don't know if you saw that. We've got our Pro Mod back. Um, it's on a chassis table and getting some stuff done. It will get updated to use one of these. And, um, you know, I've already got them in, in all of our trucks that we have here. And, um, yeah, that's my spiel. So if, if you can make one better, show me, because I don't think you can. I, I know I can't, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm, that's, that, I issued that challenge to anybody. In, anybody out there, if you think you can make a better 10-bar map sensor than this, prove it. I don't think you can. And you also if you'd rather just sell mine instead, we're, we'd happy to be happy to take you on as a dealer. So let us know how many you want us to ship you. That was the other thing I was going to ask you is about dealers because you'd mentioned some of them. And then I just know through being an enthusiast, sometimes you go direct to the manufacturer. Sometimes you work with a local shop. Sometimes you want a product and you're like, Hey, is there anyone around me that, that, that sells yep. it? I wanted to ask you about your dealer network or how people can connect with you. It could be with tuning. It could be with the, the, uh, the map sensors. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, so as of current, we have over 200 active dealers around the United States and around the world, actually. So uh, a very common question we get on our website is, hey, man, where are you guys located? Well, we're located in the Florida Panhandle, but that's kind of irrelevant in regards to what you need or want from us. So everything that we offer is DIY. Like we make it as simple as possible. You can tune your own truck. You can install your own map sensors. You can data log your own truck. Any parts we sell, you guys can install them. If it happens to be above your comfort level by, for whatever reason, don't hesitate to reach out to us and ask, hey, I'm in um, Michigan. If you're in Michigan, I'm going to say go to DNR Customs. You know, their, uh, their office or their shop is just outside of Casco, Michigan, which is about, you know, an hour north, maybe two hours north of Detroit. Um, you know, if you're in, um, if you're in Arizona, uh, go see my buddy, uh, Brandon Wood. If you're in Utah, go see my buddies at Industrial Injection. If you're, you know, I've got dealers all over the U.S. and throughout Texas and throughout Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, and let's call it the diesel belt. They are very concentrated. So I'm going to need to specifically where you're at in Indiana or Kentucky because I can give you three or four people you can go to, right? Um, so, but again, you can DIY everything that we have to offer. If you don't want to, you don't feel like it, you don't, your back hurts, whatever, and you want to take it to a dealer, by all means, um, it is very high on my priority list to add our dealer locator um, back to our new website. We had it on our old website. The, the old website technology was antiquated and needed to be replaced. And the dealer locator thing just hasn't made its way back on there yet, but it, it will be coming soon. And those of you who run a shop out there, 
and you're wondering how to get set up as a dealer, all we ask is that you're a real shop, right? You you pay insurance and taxes and, and everything just like the rest of us. So be a real business and don't be on top of one of my existing dealers. So I'm not going to set up another dealer shop in Cookville, Tennessee. RLC Motorsports has been with me since forever, and I'm not going to do that to them. So if you were RLC Motorsports, you'd appreciate that. I'm sorry they got there first, right? Um, but, you know, so that, those are the only two things that we, we ask. Be a real business. Don't be a direct competitor to somebody who's already, you know, location-wise, a dealer of ours. And we are accepting new dealer applications. We've been setting up two and three new dealers a day lately. How can how can people connect with you guys or your team there? Maybe they have questions about the map sensor, maybe the tuning. Maybe they want to know more about the ACE and tuning or 68s or just anything that, that you touched on, but they want more information or maybe I didn't ask you the right question or something like that. What's the best way to contact you guys? <clears throat> I'm very glad you asked that. I'm going to preface this with we return every single message. There was just some Facebook drama two nights ago about somebody who couldn't get a hold of us. I went through everything I could think of uh, as far as messages, call logs, all that stuff. And all I could see is where he's called in the, in the last couple of days and spoke to somebody. But according to his Facebook rant, he couldn't get a hold of anybody and we're a terrible company, right? So I'm very glad you asked that. The least effective way to get a hold of us is by calling our shop phone. That is the least effective. We will call you back. However, we are busy. My phone has rang three or four times since I've been on this podcast with you. I can't stop and answer phone calls when I'm doing other things, but we will call you back. So on top of that, if you're on our website, there's a messenger on our website, which messages all four of us direct. So it pops up right on our phone. If you go to our company Facebook and, and message there, it pops up to all four of us directly. Um, if you look at any of our emails, uh, so if you get an email from me, my email address is ryan at hardwayperformance.com. Our general inbox is info at hardwayperformance.com. Same thing with Chad, Rick, or Leslie. If you want to get a hold of any of them, it's just at hardwayperformance.com. Um, when I respond, um, I don't have my – I have a Google phone number that people text. So if if Messenger, website, um, calling the phone, all that email doesn't work for you, you can also text the number on there. And I, I'm sorry, I'll – I'll, I'll jump in the comments and put that number in the, in the, in the podcast comments here. I don't have it memorized. It's eight, five Oh something. Uh, but so there's, but all said and done, there was like a dozen different ways to get a hold of hardway performance. So hardwayperformance.com, social media, Instagram or Facebook um, email. Um, you can call us. I, we try. My wife is the one who returns the phone calls. Um, if, the fact that my phone has rang on the business line three times or two, however many times it's rang since we've been on this podcast means that those people, the way our phone system works is it rings Rick first and then it rings Chad. So those two guys are my main uh, tuning and calibration support guys. Right. And if they don't answer it, it goes to Leslie. If it doesn't, if Leslie doesn't pick it up, then it comes to me. So if I hit decline, that means that those calls have gone to voicemail and that voicemail is now popped up in my wife's email and it's her responsibility to call those people back as soon as she is done with the task at hand. So um, if you must call, like I said, it's the least effective way to get a hold of us. If you must call, please leave a message. And I, I cannot stress that enough. It's the very first thing it says on our voicemail. 
if you're going to be that guy that calls and calls and calls and just hangs up whenever it gets to voicemail, you're going to be pissed off because you're probably not ever going to get a hold of us. And we're going to be pissed off because we're in the middle of doing something and the phone won't stop ringing from the same number. So repeat calling does not help at all. <laughs> Please leave a message or reach out to us in any other fashion possible. And as soon as any of us are available, we will get right back to you. Um, our website has a ton of information. So if you're looking for tuning on a 13 to 18 or whatever truck, go to the website. We have dinographs, um, frequently asked questions. Um, I've, we've put as much information on the website to include tech articles that we possibly could think of. And then another thing we're doing is if we as a team get the same question asked of us three or four times, like let's say uh, people want to know how to do a readout on these trucks. Well, we made a YouTube video out of it. So if you go to our YouTube, which is just YouTube slash Hardway Performance, and look, there, there's two different um, uh, libraries. There's Hardway Racing, which contains all of this crap going on. And then there's our Hardway Performance page, which contains uh, how-tos, what's going on at the shop, um, you know, what's going on on the dyno this week and all that stuff. So something we've been doing is when we get somebody who reaches out to us over the dozen or so different ways to, to reach us and they're like, Hey, I want to do this. How do we do it? The easiest way for us to do that, instead of explaining it over and over again to each person is we grab that YouTube link, drop it in and say, watch this. Let us know if you have any other questions and it works amazing. Yeah. So, um, again, I want to say one more time, phone call is the least effective method. We are, we are a four man team and we are running around like headless chickens going as fast as we can, trying to get everybody at once. And I personally stay three to four tasks behind at all times. And I cannot stop and answer a phone call. So, but if you will message us or leave a message, we will get back to you. I think it's important for, well, the education and then also connecting, like sometimes with a podcast, I'll get a, a comment or a direct message or something. And I might know a little bit about the subject, but I'm not the expert. Like the person who I'm talking to, that's what they do. That's what they know. So I always like to be able yeah. to connect the people who are listening to the company that's doing the work, um, you know, making the part, you know, whatever it might be. But it was, it was really cool to catch up with you. I've been looking forward to it. I wanted to know about the end of last year, this year, the racing side, because I think it's so important. And then how that translates over, you did a great job of explaining like what that 82 Corvette was like versus what they're like now. And yeah, that doesn't that make perfect of, sense? And, 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 and how much, how much yeah. more strict standards we have today versus then, but how much better the cars mm -hmm. run. Yeah. We're, we're in that same transition, just typical diesel world. We're advancing five or 10 years to one compared to what the gas gas guys have. So, yeah. but I, but I, I appreciate you having me on here. Terry says, thanks too. And, um, <laughs> we, uh, we look forward to doing a new podcast with you when we get to our new shop and get, um, the rest of our new stuff up and rolling. Um, when we get the stuff come out from HP tuners with the RTD and the TDN, and, um, I'd like to hop back on here with you and go over that stuff. And hopefully by then we've had some success with these race cars. And, um, yeah, as always, man, I appreciate you having me.
Don't forget, Diesel fans, make sure and head on over to Kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 2024-DIESEL40 for 40% off MSRP. Great way to save some money, get some really cool gear. If you need a knife for hunting, fishing, EDC, around the job site, they've got a whole bunch of choices to meet really any budget. And you get different choices for blade steel, different opening mechanisms, blade designs, handle designs. So definitely make sure, head on over, check them out, and use code 2024-DIESEL40 for 40% off MSRP. Also want to give a shout-out to some of our Patreon supporters. Tyler Lowen of 23 Diesel, John J. Cole, all of our other Patreon supporters, all of you who subscribe on YouTube podcast apps, follow us on social media. We appreciate all your support here in year eight of the Diesel Podcast and look forward to bringing you more of the content that you want to hear in 2024. Till next time, keep the shiny side up.